Go beyond the superficial. Go beyond the noise. And Hype delivers business knowledge gained from developing and manufacturing hundreds of products. Working with high growth entrepreneurs from all over the world. Focus skills and passion into innovative ideas. Take control. Become the engineer of your own life. Transform product ideas into business realities. This is And Hype. Transform your product ideas into a business reality. My name is Callie Keen, and this is End Hype. All right, today I want to break down a little piece of a piece of a concept for you. So, on the last episode, we talked to a friend of mine, Dylan, who's making software for electrical engineers doing CAD in the construction industry. You know, software is not really our thing, but the story, the narrative of that is super important, is that so often we have these wild ideas that kind of come out of nowhere. You know, I I call them shower thoughts, and they're disconnected from any type of reality that can be executed, you know, that we could build, that we could sell, that we could understand the customer, anything that we could... uh, do that really add value to the world so it can change our lives, uh, change our community, whatever your personal goals are. Uh, it's, it's like we get this idea and we decide, yes, this is the idea that I will ruin my life for. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to use my savings. I'm going to do all these things that I know nothing about. And we hear these stories in the news. We hear them in uh you know, on YouTube, we read about them in Wired Magazine or whatever magazine that you like. You you hear about it because it's so rare that that's why it's an interesting story, that it's just a fluke that this all worked out despite all odds. And it always makes me think, well, what's the not despite all odds? What's the assured success? What's the guaranteed success? And when I'm talking to people or thinking about one of my own ideas or we're coaching people. Uh, That's kind of where my mind is, is how do we create success as an inevitability? How do we stage a series of wins where then in a place that executing that that idea or even better idea, usually uh, our ideas evolve with our entrepreneurship skills you know as we go through we understand the customer better we understand what's possible we get better ideas but that aside like how do we put ourselves in a position to win for real not for luck right and uh, so a lot of times that happens to actually have some level of experience experience with the customer experience with the problem experience inside the industry that we're so focused on, quote, disrupting. And uh, that's where, uh, you know, we were chopping it up and talking about this. This really frustrates me because I've spent some time now, last four or five plus years, kind of walking around, talking around the startup world. And it seems like that people push the word innovation. They push the word disruption so easily when they don't even really know what they're trying to disrupt. They don't even really understand the mechanisms 
the structure, the organization, the relationships, the requirements of an industry that they're trying to displace. And sometimes it works out in a messy way, but it works out. Let's say that it works out for Uber. That's great. They have a lot of legal battles ahead of them. Maybe that's what you're going for, but there's so many businesses that are million dollar businesses, seven, eight figure businesses where someone had real, tangible, documentable, legit experience, saw the problems in an industry, then used that decade or two decades of experience to then create a product, create a service, and add enough value where that that was their success. So that's kind of the end hype portion of that is that working in the maker world, you know, they're saying, yeah, innovation this, 3D printing that, this and that. Uh, and we're in the startup world. They're like, you know, we're going to end poverty. We're going to free energy for everybody. Like, you know, food, food is free and this and this and like all these crazy ideas. I'm like, these all sound fantastic. But in reality, they're not going to happen, right? They're always a decade off or two decades off because there's a huge disconnect. So we're pushing kind of science fiction or science research, if at best, and conflating that with uh, an actual business or something that's going to hit the market. And we get all torn up inside as entrepreneurs starting that we think that we have to do something wild and crazy like that. We have to destroy the system as it is to build our life on its ruins. And that's, uh, it's demonstrably not true. So I think I mentioned this last week is like most people that start businesses are in their 40s and they have some level 5, 10, 20 years of experience in that industry or tangential to that industry. So that's not sexy and it's not uh, wild. So you don't hear about it as often, but we're not all 19-year-old keyboard jockey whiz kids. There's a lot of people that just make really profitable, great businesses that can help them build their lives based on real value. So I look at these situations and that's part of the reason why end hype exists as a brand is because when I see that puffery, when I see that kind of mysticism out there, I think, well, what's, what's the reality? Like, how do we drive down into something that is actionable, something that I can put into a framework that I can teach other people and they can do it and create success versus just some wild fairy tale. So Here's a little takeaway. This is the thing that I've been thinking of over the last week is that we need to approach entrepreneurship. We need to approach solving challenges through a dichotomy. I know I did a podcast previously on the power of dichotomous thinking, and this is another one of those pesky dual brain thinking situations. We need to approach problems and solving problems or solving challenges with the optimism of an outsider you know, looking at something and saying, wow, this is terrible. Why can't it just be like this other thing, this other thing that I know, this analog from another industry? Why can't we transpose the wins from over here over to here? The optimism that we have the power to change the world. uh, And then we need to approach it with that optimism tempered with uh, insider knowledge. That insider knowledge is a lot to goes to knowing how to execute it, knowing the relationships that we need to build, knowing the cost structures, knowing the jargon and terminology and players in the industry. And we build up this inside knowledge. If we can have that on our team, if 
we can have that in our minds, that's something that goes into that unfair advantage. There's going to be less people that can steal our idea. There's less people that can replicate our idea or, you know, knock us off or compete against us because we have a specialization in that niche or maybe that just that customer or maybe just that customer's specific problem. And you've probably heard me say this a million times, and I'll say it a million times more. Uh, the thing that we need to be the expert in above all else is our customers' problems. So that's like what we're really diving in deep to do and building an organization to do is I don't need to be the world's best Arduino you know, developer or IoT developer or electrical engineer, or mechanical engineer, or any of those things. I need to know better than anyone else what my customers' problems are and what it would look like what their life would look like if those problems were solved. So the value of solving that problem. And so if I have knowledge of the system and then I have the optimism that it can be solved, so the optimism of an outsider, we have two different ways of thinking. It's kind of like pessimists call themselves realists and then dreamers will call themselves optimists, right? But these two people, it's not oil and water. It could be just you, but the value is in the friction right? With a lot of this dual type thinking, this dichotomous thinking, the value isn't in holding one of those beliefs and holding it strong, either one. There's nothing wrong with either piece, right? If you're an engineer, you might be a little bit more prone towards that value of the inside knowledge. You want to learn a ton about that industry, right? If you're a sales type person, if you're a big thinker, a big dreamer, a visionary, you might think the value is in the optimism, right? But the value is in between those two things because it requires both. So the value is in the friction where you can't resolve those two pieces called cognitive dissonance. These two ideas can't exist. They can't coexist. They cause friction, those sparks. That is where real change happens because there's a lot of people out there with ideas that never make anything happen. And then there's a lot of people out there with a ton of knowledge, a ton of experience, and they don't do shit, right? So when you combine those two things, those two ideas hating each other, arguing with each other, that constructive dialogue is what holds all the value. So I think that's really interesting because uh, why outsiders fail is they look at they look at the inside, the guts, the execution of everything being so simple, right? It's uh, everything that I don't know about or, hey, you know, manufacturing is a slow to move industry. Construction is a slow to move industry. So we can transpose our agile methodologies that we're using in software and we can transpose that value and we can create enormous change. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, have you built a building with this new project management technology or planning methodology or you know management concept or whatever? Have you actually built something? And uh, a practical example of this is like people keep rolling out modular buildings and modular building structures. And we have a bunch of data centers all over the place here. And you see the, the modular walls stick up. But like when you read about modular buildings 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago about, you know, deploying, interconnecting buildings that have all of the mechanicals in there and 
you know, that you could rapidly deploy a city and that housing would be free because it's so cheap and easy to build and repurpose and all that stuff, it gets into that hype zone. It gets into that ridiculous zone because it's not taking into account that nothing works like that, right? And so in practicality, modular buildings look more like repurposed connexes and concrete facades and walls that get propped up for data centers. And there's always little pieces of innovation, but it's not that broad, like starry-eyed thing. It's like, okay, you can do this. So where's the specific problem that we can solve? And the value is in finding that and saying, hey, making these giant walls for data centers really quickly, that seems important and we can save a ton of money. And guess what? Even though we've niched down to this very, very specific application, there's a billion dollars worth of that work in that niche and we can do it better than anyone else and better than ever before. So that's the non-hype piece of that is that that starry-eyed technology or thought process when actually applied to the practicality of what somebody needs, it's still a massive opportunity. But outsiders fail because as soon as they hit, they hit air, right? As soon as this idea escapes the vacuum, it kind of, uh, it dies, right? Because the real work begins. It's like, well, I don't know anybody in the construction industry. I don't know uh, like how I would get started with that. I don't know how, I don't know CAD. I don't know, like, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then it's like there's these second order excuses. Well, if I could make some connections, if you could use your connections, if if I had funding, then I could do this. And it's like you now you've put excuses as like that's the reason why this thing would never work. When in reality, um, we need to find that insider and we need to argue it out, right? We need to have that positive. We need to have a constructive argument, right? And we need to use that constructive argument as almost a pitch to be like, you're right, this won't work, but I think with your skills, it might, you want to join this team, let's do this thing. Let's try to change the industry. We can start with those data center walls because that's where we're going to make millions and millions of dollars. But that aside, it's like, I think that's why outsiders fail. That's right. Dream big, execute small, right? You don't don't actually do stuff. People get deflated very quickly when they find out that building a business is actual work or implementing an idea involves actual work. And that's that's tricky. And then the conversely, I find that the people with the inside knowledge, they don't even set out to make the change. They will just do nothing. They fail automatically. I think there's there's a burden of knowledge that is very difficult to overcome. If you're in the industry, you know so many facets of the problem that they just stack up. And that complexity of those challenges crushes your hope and dream and creativity to the point where it's like, well, you can't solve that because of this, because of that. And if you're a smart technical person, if you're a brilliant misfit, you're able to see around those corners and see even more obstacles and more problems. And it's very difficult to then get over it and say, well, what if? What if this didn't exist? What if we approach this in a different way? And that is a skill that has to be trained, promoted. It has to be really nurtured, that skill of uh, seeing the obstacles, but instead of seeing them as roadblocks, seeing them as another thing to overcome. I like seeing those obstacles in a, in a product because it means that if we do have competition, 
they're going to experience those obstacles as well, right? Or they have to overcome those as well. And if there's plenty of them, it probably means there's some there's some kind of reward. There's some kind of opportunity on the other side, potentially. But again, you see, like if I'm crushed by all of my knowledge of why something won't work, if I'm using my massive brain for mental gymnastics of discovering all of the elements of why something will not work, it's very difficult to then go out and want to be the disruptor, the innovator, right? We need a new persona that's somewhere in between this dream, this outsider, this new, fresh perspective, and this experienced, kind of tired perspective, right? That's why I say brilliant misfit, because I think that that persona, the persona that we have here, hits that balance, right? Because it's like we see it, but we don't quite fit in. We want something to be different. We want something to change. And we have to go set out and make our own reality. We have to use entrepreneurship as a vehicle to change what our life looks like and create some type of fulfillment because we can't really fit in to what's going on by default into default reality. So and I, I keep saying that the value is in the friction, but like if you are the if you have that team, if you're just starting out, like how do you temper like you might be on you might be 80% one thing or you might be 80% the other thing. How do you uh, how do you create that friction? So this is a this is a difficult ask, but if I were a sole founder, this really works well for teams as well. It's something that I really like and ask people to do is I'm a huge fan of thought experiments. So instead of actually going out and proving ourselves wrong initially, what we want to do is we want to we want to ask ourselves ridiculous questions and then say like why won't this work so a good example of this is uh, i ask people when we develop our traction products what could you do tomorrow to build revenue inside this inside this uh, industry what could you do tomorrow to get emails or add value to a customer what could you do next week what could you do next month right and Oftentimes, if we have this really big idea, we can't we can't implement that idea. It might take six months, twelve months, eighteen months. But if we ask ourselves what we could do tomorrow with a little bit of thinking, especially in between those two modes of thought, what is possible and what is probable? Like, what would an outsider do? What can we do with our knowledge? We can figure something out, right? We can figure out a piece of knowledge that we have. We can figure out a way to add value. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but we can ask ourselves these questions like, what if the product was free? What if it cost 100 times as much? What if, you know, what if? And we can ask ourselves ridiculous questions and then try to put ourselves in the position of positivity and put ourselves in the position of negativity, right? And argue why it won't work and argue why it would work. And this works very well in teams, but it works very well for yourself. So looking at avenues of success, looking at avenues of risks, these are going to be skills. This thought experiment is going to uh, translate and evolve into skills that you can use forever. So looking for opportunities for growth, looking for market risks, like, hey, what if this economic condition changes? What would we do? Then we go positive. Then we go to the risk side, positive, negative. Thought experiments are incredibly powerful. And it's one of those almost like talk therapy that as a coach, we can just talk it out. You and I can talk it out and we can come up with really unique or different perspectives. We can walk away with a ton of value. So that inherently 
creates a lot of friction, and it is it's definitely a um, a practice that has value now and throughout your business, and most probably in other aspects of your life. So the next piece of this, if I had to create friction, I would look at partnership. And inherently, people tend to like people that are similar to themselves. So I often see founding teams, if you have managed to convince someone else to jump on with you, I find founding teams that are made uh, out of homogenous groups. So it's like two software dudes. It's two women with HR backgrounds, right? They're the same. Mike, that's great. You guys will get along, but that doesn't mean that you should be the founding team because there's just two of the same thing. It's like having water and then more water. It's still just water, right? You, you don't have any flavor. So what you need is you need to look for partnerships. And we see this in a lot of different aspects. We see this like there's a tripod methodology that we advocate where you have a kind of a salesperson, you have a tech person, you have a ops person, and they, they kind of work. Uh, you see this with software projects. It's usually a tech person and the, the salesperson. Uh, if you read the EOS books, you see this with there's a visionary, there's an integrator, there's an outside person, there's an inside person. There's a lot of different uh, structures in business, like in the philosophy of business or the structure of a company. And when we're looking at how people should structure their business, where partnership is the next level, not just to evolve or like double the amount of time that you can put in, but it's to create that friction, right? You need different perspectives. You need diverse experience. You need diversity of background because otherwise you can't get you can't get any value out of it. You're you're just you might as well just found by yourself. And that is a possibility as well, but generally I it's much, much more rare to see large companies that are run by a single person, right? Generally it's more of like a freelance company or something that's a that's more of a distributed network company. If you're trying to build like an actual product, you're trying to build a actual uh, business, most likely you're gonna have a team. And from that team, you need to be able to create some kind of value driving friction. Hope that makes sense. And if none of this makes sense at all, and you're an idea person, so uh, every day I'm reading you know, posts online or I get messages and somebody says, well, you know, I'm more of an idea man. If you are a self-identified idea person, that, I mean, that's great. It's great to have ideas. It's great to have dreams and visions, but you need to be able to put it into practicality and you need to put be able to put it into reality. So if you can't go out and convince one person to join your team, if you lack the, uh, let's say the insight required to convince and to sell one person to be your partner that you need to round out that that uh, dichotomy, then go get a job. It feels like you're moving backwards, but it, it's not. It is a hack. You're getting paid to learn. You're getting paid to acquire that knowledge. And you're in the most probably best position to meet the partner that you need. So if you can go get a job at a company where you would be in a better position to find that partner. Go hack learning. Go hack the skill acquisition game and go get a job where you can build the skills or the knowledge, that insider perspective that will give you an edge to be successful, right? So those are just three 
quick tips in doing it. But I really like this because in retrospect, thinking about successful startups that I've met, successful organizations that I've had the fortune of working with, it seems like this is like there's oftentimes a founder that is highly optimistic and an ops person that was filled with knowledge. Right, or there's a founder that has a ton of connections in the industry, and then they have a CTO that's filled with optimism. I see this duality uh, often, and I see it in a positive way and I see it in a negative way. But like so many other pieces of our life, if we're able to acknowledge what it is and the value of what it is, we can say, hey, we're not arguing, and that's not ruining the company we're arguing because like, that is the whole point of having a partner that's the whole point of having this person these two perspectives right is because the value is in the interplay it's the values in the like listening and learning and thinking about it so we can be better so i thought that was really it's pretty interesting if you haven't listened to the episode with dylan it was a it was a lot of fun bringing on more and more uh, experts people from outside perspectives, again, just to give us another another look at what does product look like? Why do people make the leap to building products, uh, to starting companies? So maybe you can hear a piece of his story or my story or the next person's story that will, it'll be the thing. It'll be the thing that will, it'll push you to create the side hustle. It'll push you to start drawing up your product or start doing honest research, right? But yeah, stay optimistic, right? I know that things can be difficult and it's easy to get into the funk, but there's a lot of opportunity out there and just listen for the challenges that people have and get pumped up for them, right? If you want to move forward and there's a big obstacle, there's people out there, there's people like myself, there's a lot of other podcasts, there's a lot of experts out there that would love to hop on a call with you and chat through it. Um, I love talking to people about ideas. I love it even more when I talk to them six months later and they're like, I'm ready to go, let's do this thing. Or I talk to them a couple years later and they're like, yeah, I built this business, it's so cool. But um, listen, that's just a little, like I said, a piece of a piece, something I've been thinking about for the last week. And I, I hope that made sense to you. I hope you got some value out of it. But listen, we don't charge for the podcast. I don't think people pay for podcasts, but you know, I don't put any ads out. I, I don't wanna hawk products or anything like that, but I do ask for a fee. If you got some value out of this, if it made you think, if it entertained you in some way, please share it out. Invite a friend, right? Text it to somebody, message it to somebody, email it to somebody, and let's get another listener on end hype. That's how we're gonna grow. And I love seeing it just grow little bit by bit. And to close it out, here's the question. Same question every day. What is the one obstacle that if solved would take your idea or your business or your life to the next level? Let me know. All right. My name is Callie Keen and this is End Hype. Thank you for listening to the End Hype Podcast. Follow Callie on social at Callie Keen to stay up to date with a bunch of free content and information. Change your life and change the world in hype.